Brian, I want to ask you a question about something. Sure. So I've been watching a lot of videos of people with like maker spaces and stuff. And there's a right. lot of like instructional, you know, tutorial type videos. And it it feels to me like there's an element of social media presence in those videos that's like necessary for the public figure, the artist, whoever they are, that is a little more like it feels a little less self-promotion-y than it would with music or something like that. I think some of that's kind of socially constructed because I yeah. think musicians get the kind of short end of the stick with promotion because I think there are so many musicians and so many songwriters and that isn't a bad thing, but you know, there's a certain type of romanticism and tradition and old, you know, timelessness you get from saying I'm an oil painter or I'm a marble sculptor or something that gives you a kind of false and unwarranted supremacy over somebody that says I'm an acoustic singer songwriter or I make beats or follow my Twitter. Like those people are kind of being treated unfairly and are being bastardized when they are just a DIY creator, just like somebody with an art studio, you know what I mean? So I think that's just fine art successfully marketing itself because I think it kind of gets into a more interesting question where fine art, especially in a place like Boston or Massachusetts, where our fine art world is museums, it's colleges, it's MIT, it's mass art, like, or even RISD or Providence. And like, you need to kind of indenture yourself to one of those institutions in order to be a working artist in the city Mm -hmm. versus like, it's kind of unsustainable to be a DIY artist. So with fine art, there's this like kind of white column pillar marble strength, institutional strength that art is given that music is not. So, Mm. yeah, I, I really like that point. And I would say, I would add on to that, that like Boston has, I think has many of those institutions for visual arts and then only kind of has Berkeley and New England conservatory, maybe, maybe Longy. So like only a couple of those things like sort of white pillar institutions, ivory tower type shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, cause here's another thing too, the branding with artists and with musicians is different too, because think about how, if you start a band, you typically will name it something cool. It will have a moniker or some type of some, you know, whatever name the, I don't know, the Banshees. And then when you have a art, an art enterprise, a fine art enterprise, it's, the pucker gallery like the mcdermott studio yeah. or something or it's uh sterling ruby studios or the institute of contemporary art it's like so and that's not music's fault but there is like it's literally i think it's just fucking art marketing itself to seem more important while music as a people's medium and as anything made by a group of people just like folk music is something that is kind of proletariat in nature. So it's kind of like Pratik said, does not have the same institutional support that fine art has. And Mm. it's just seen as it's almost like lowbrow in Mm. some way, you know what I mean? So, yeah. So to answer the question, I guess, in a, in a more simplified way, I think maker spaces, art videos, and in the cell promotion, it definitely does seem more elegant with art, but sure. I think that's at the expense of of kind of alienating other creators that aren't in that world. Huh. 
Do you think it differs too, though, because of the emphasis on like the physical product that's made? Like, think about like if you were a band and every time you did anything, you made an album and that album existed. Like, if you're a maker, you can see the marketing almost takes a backseat to like if that person's a really goddamn good woodworker, you can just see that. Like, their Facebook could be dog shit, but as long as you can see, like, oh, wow, they can really make a chair or something they kind of maintain credibility. Whereas a band, there's like that suspension of disbelief where like if their marketing mm. is shit, their shows could be amazing, but no one's ever going to get that far. Yeah. And that's a really, really interesting point because what do you do when you make an album or you make a, a beautiful performance? You either film it, you record it, and then yeah. you commodify it. And yeah. with with a successful artist, you, like if you are a successful artist in the sense that you've sold millions of prints and paintings and all this, you might be a great artist, but you're also a very, very good product creator. Like, you know how to make a product where it's framed nicely. You can hold it. It's safe. It's marked. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, I don't know. Like, have you guys ever been to like Cape Cod art galleries where like there's like yeah, these little, little seaside towns? It's like super sure. like off white walls. Everything's like super, mm-hmm. super clean. Yep. Clean, sleek, yeah. elegant, like Mac store bullshit. So, and that's an interesting thing too, because there's a lot of art, art genres like performance art, dancing, even theater, like, or even, even something like stand-up comedy. It's a, it's an art medium that is only happening when it is being performed, unless Mm. it is commodified. Mm. Yeah. Unless you make it into a product somehow. So basically I think that's just kind of a, a dog eat dog thing or kind of a, I don't know, whatever. Like I think, Cause the art world isn't really created by artists. It's created by people that can successfully sell in market art. Hmm. And yeah. those people yep. can sell paintings. They can't yep. sell a dance performance very well. They totally could if they really actually put the institutional backing towards doing those things. Yeah. But- and actually I think I want to build off both yours and Matt's point. Yeah. Um, because I think part of the way that you have to commodify music to, in order to successfully sell it, especially now, I think, where, like, when we have social media, is that you have to make the artist's face part of the brand. And I think that gives music, like, and self-promotion in music, like, much more of an in-your-face quality, because the person literally has to be in your face for people to see it and for people to give a shit. And I think where, like, visual artists or, you know, sculptors or any people like that, they kind of only have to market themselves to curators, or like yeah. any of the people who gatekeep, whereas like in music, that's kind of like everybody's a gatekeeper. They're just gatekeeping different things. So it's like some people are gatekeeping the venues. Some people are gatekeeping their time. Some people are like gatekeeping the money, whatever. It's like you kind of have to show off to more people. Oh, that's so interesting. I think too, like musicians have more well-known artists to be compared to, like I don't know, the Beatles or whatever, whereas people who are like, for me, I'm making quilts. So it's like, oh, I'm comparing myself to a great quilt maker or something like that. So it's like almost like you're trying to be those people think that you're trying to be greater than you are. And it becomes off-putting. Yeah. Mm. And I think also just like a quilt maker saying it's like, yeah, I like draw from this tradition of quilt making that has like instantly more appeal to this like very niche, very wealthy group of people. Whereas like some random fucking power pop band from Alston saying, hey, we sound like the Beatles Um, is everybody's just like, yeah, cool story, bro. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's kind of interesting, too, because quilt making or fiber art in general. I would argue is just as prevalent 
and omnipresent as music is in our society. Like I, like we're all yeah. wearing fabric. There's <laughs> yeah. a design behind you, Pratik. Like yep. there's literally fiber art is everywhere, but there is no commodification of fame and fiber art necessarily. Yeah. Maybe in the right circles, like I could definitely research and find, and maybe not off the top of my head, a famous fiber artist. Like there's fiber mm. art in museums. Like it, it, it does exist, but you know, there is like a machine in an industry telling all of us as artists every day that we should be famous. Like mm-hmm. you should be a famous musician. You yep. should blow up on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would even go further than that and say it's like you have to blow up on TikTok because otherwise nobody's going to know who you are. Right. <laughs> but and it, and it absolutely is harder and possible and, and would be way more difficult to blow up on TikTok as a as a fiber artist because of our cultural love of fame and music and rock stars and celebrity yep. and the fucking queen of England and Billie Eilish. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? Hmm. Like we, <laughs> we love, we love, love, love celebrities. Yeah. And that's kind of, and to call back to, I think it was Pratik's point how uh, with music, we are as the musician, the face, the, the head of yes. the, of the, of the dragon to the yeah. marketing. Yep. Which, yeah, which is brutal because that makes that makes it all live and die by you. Yeah. And the success and failure is your fault. Yep. And if the axe falls, it falls on you. Yep. <laughs> and your bank, not yeah. a. Yeah. Anyway. But it uh, fascinates me that a lot of these videos, and Brian, I've seen you do some of this on Instagram and stuff. It's just like, well, this is what I'm making this week or the, or today or, you know, this whatever frame of time. And so you'll see the presentation of it, and it's just, this is my project right now. I'm going to film every step of the process, and then, you know, some artists speed it up to present it on social media or, or put it on a, on a YouTube video or whatever. And you see every step of it, and it's just like, this is the project manifested as a presentation to the viewer. And whether or not you're, like, paying to consume what that artist is doing, you are able to see just... It's almost like you get just as much out of watching the process as you do out of consuming the finished product. Yeah. Right. In a way. Yep. So I'm watching that going like, well, it's impossible for that to translate literally to when I write a song or when I write an essay. But I'm looking at it like, why can't I? Why aren't I approaching art? Not that I can't, but I don't I don't know how to do this. Why aren't I approaching my art the same way that a maker approaches a project like and i think that kind of gets back to like the first thing that brian said which is like you can but it's the whole thing is just like there are these like very very narrow preconceptions like it really is all socially constructed sure but like to kind of talk about like being a musician and approaching like you're sort of approaching like songwriting um like a it's kind of the same way that a painter might approach like, you know, like, hey, guys, like, watch me paint. Um, mm. There are like some, you know, like DJs, beat makers, et cetera, who are just like, hey, what's up? I'm going live on Twitch so you can watch me work. Um, right. I think like I think like the first time that I actually remember seeing something like that was like around like 2010 or something like Dead Mouse. He might he might still do this. Dead Mouse had like a live stream on his website where he would just like. 24 seven, like as long as he was in his studio, you could watch him making songs. Wow. And I think it's kind of like, um, 
like Brian was saying, it's like very much a socially constructed thing. Maybe like more fiber artists working out of their apartment could do something like that and people would think it was normal. But yeah. Dead Mouse has to be freaking Dead Mouse before um, people are just like, yeah, I'll totally watch you like click at your computer for like 10 hours. Well, Owen Korzak interviewed somebody recently who um, who goes by the name Summer Starved. And he was talking about how he goes on Instagram live and people will watch him make lo-fi beats from scratch. And that yeah. sounded like a pretty fascinating process. Yeah. So I guess like there there are people who do it and I don't necessarily want to broadcast every step of my songwriting process because a lot of yeah. that's it's it's intimate and private and like um takes a lot of brain power that would not be possible if everyone were watching or if I were like conscious of the fact that people would be watching later. So yeah. I don't know, but there's some elements to that, to like the makerspace videos that I've been watching just in the creative process or just in the presentation process that I feel I could maybe bring to my art to, to, to at least address like workflow issues and stuff. like yeah, that. Yeah. One, one thing that I think that there's a big demand for and not even just right now, but in general, that is there are li- probably billions of hobbyists in the world. Yeah. who maybe write a little bit of poetry or play a little guitar or do a little bit of drawing that don't do it in an extreme, you know, industrious way, like like we would as artists who either do it as a job or do it as like an integral, like focal point of our lives where those people, I think that there are people who really, really benefit and enjoy literally art tips or they just like to see people making stuff because you know, it's like, there are people that like to do paint by numbers and that's totally cool. And that's fine. And you get, you have a nice little thing. And like, but I think that there's room for that in, in DIY and just art making in general, where sometimes I see people see me draw something in a video and they're like, Oh my God, like, I'm going to do that too. And I'm like, yeah, you, you should not like, not because I feel like I should have like a monopoly on it or something. It's not, it has nothing to do with that kind of thing, but, and that person probably isn't going to go sell that idea they want to be able to do it in their own sketchbook. You know what I mean? And like, Mm. maybe, I don't know, like maybe there's room for that with music too. And I think the problem with it too, as well with, with music making and uh, with video stuff too, is for one, it requires an entirely different trade, which is video production, which is really difficult. And with music production, there's so many more steps. And when I make a painting, I can just take a picture of it with my iPhone. But when you record, when you write a full band, big old production, or even just acoustic, it's like the presentation to actually feel the real, like, like your real artistic vision can be a lot harder with just a phone. Yeah. Yeah. And to that point, I know that like, just from spending a lot of time on YouTube, there are musicians who do that. And do like here, like, hey, look, it's like I here's like a here's like a video diary of how I wrote this song. And they're big YouTubers who have like serious video production and serious audio production setups. Um, things like sponsor sometimes even things like sponsorships and whatever. And it is very it can be a lot harder to do that with like just an iPhone and like a basic microphone. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But I do think that there's a big demand. Like I think people would like it because like I was watching on YouTube. I can't remember the YouTuber's name, but I was literally just watching somebody build a little tiny house out of like popsicle sticks and like, I, watched I that don't too. know, like, like <laughs> in these, it was like an hour long and I watched it. Like I was like enchanted wow. by this video and I don't know it. I don't care about model figurine Dude, building. Same. 
but like i just like watching people make shit yeah my current so my current youtube fixation is uh binging with babish um for anybody who doesn't know it it's a youtube oh, cooking the cook, show the cook yeah guy. yeah, yeah. And it's and it, it, his it's really fun because the whole thing is he tries to make food from various tv shows and movies and like the more out there and ridiculous it is the better That's um awesome. so like one of his videos he like tried to recreate like uh, an entire seven course meal based um only from food in the lord of the rings movies oh so yeah cool. yeah and it's really and it's really cool and it's really nerdy and detailed um and but also it's just it's just fun like I, I do like cooking and I, I that show has actually inspired me to like try more stuff like making pan pizza or whatever. Mm. But I mostly just watch the show because it's literally just fun to watch it's like cool time show. lapse of him like to, uh, like chopping vegetables while he <laughs> says while he like explains what he's doing in a very soothing voice. Yeah, it's just, and it's just fun. Yeah, you, that, make, watching people make shit is cool, even if you don't make shit. There are people that don't probably don't give a shit about songwriting. That yeah. would fucking love to watch some weird video of that's like an hour and a half long of somebody writing a song. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to try would. it out. That sounds yeah. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. I'd be, people would probably really like it. No, yeah. they, they absolutely would. <laughs> there is like people it's people really love watching stuff get made. Yeah. yeah. All the marketing and social construction of like, how do I present myself as a songwriter on you? Like who's like, I'm going to write a song versus like, <laughs> hey, I'm going to cook something. Watch this. At the end of the day, like people really, even if people don't make that thing, people will probably still love watching how it gets made. Yeah. Um, what an exciting thing. Yeah. Yeah.